When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. We have a need to be seen and show up in the world as our truest, most authentic self. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another satisfying episode of Dates and Mates. I have to give you a warning today. This episode contains more colorful language than you're used to hearing from me on the show. So if you're listening in the car with your kids or something, wait, why are you listening to Dates and Mates with your kids? Okay, no judgment here. Judgment-free zone. I'm just saying you might want to do earmuffs. You might want to just manage your language expectations (laughs) as we get into the show. I believe that vulnerability is the key to true connection, but it can be difficult at times to let others in and know when to give a fuck about what they say. Okay, you heard it. There, you heard it. I swore. But I really couldn't get around it with this episode because we have behavior scientist and lifestyle design coach Gianna Biscontini. She's the author of the new book, Fuckless, a guide to wild, unencumbered freedoms. And she will be here discussing how vulnerability can lead to emotional depth and better opportunities for connection in love. But first and foremost, you know I got a dish. And our headline today is, scientifically speaking, what does it actually mean to click with someone on a date? Then later in Dear Demona, I'll tackle the burning question, what does it mean if he's asking me questions about intimacy before we've even met? Oh, it's going to get real. It's going to get raw. But first, we got to kick it off with a dish. These dating dish. Inc. Magazine, which, by the way, is one of my favorite magazines, came out with an article that said, did you really click with someone? A new study offers a research-backed way to tell. So there was this new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, where researchers out of Dartmouth, my husband's alma mater, I don't know why I'm talking like this. It's just like this is how you talk when you talk about Dartmouth. (laughs) But they looked at 322 conversations between strangers, and then they asked the participants to rate their level of connection. And as they were looking at that, they were also paying attention to the gaps between responses in the conversation, and they saw a pattern emerge. The quicker the response times during the conversation, the more the two parties reported feeling like they clicked. And before we dive deeper into the internal experience of what's happening when you're on a date and when you're clicking or not clicking with someone, they actually also looked at it from the outsider's and observer's perspective. And they showed the clips of these conversations to outside observers and found that when they shortened the response times by editing the videos, what? Not everything is as it seems? Yes. <laughs> For the purpose of the study, they actually edited the videos and made it look like there were shorter response times between participants. 
And the observers actually rated the conversational partners as being more closely connected from the outside perspective. Have you ever seen that? Like when you can see two people on a date and from the body language, you can tell if they're clicking or not. Well, turns out if you could actually have an ear on their conversation, by their cadence, you can tell. On average, there's about a quarter of a second gap between turns during a conversation. Like this is a regular conversation. But when people were feeling like they were finishing each other's sentences and really clicking, they actually closed that gap and it was happening even faster. So basically, clicking with someone can just come down to the conversation flowing without long pauses or awkward breaks. They also have linked this to earlier studies showing that charisma is closely correlated with response time. So if you're really quick and witty, then you are going to be perceived as more charming. And before those of you who don't think super fast on your feet, like I'll say my husband, he's an introvert. He's, as his friends call, a slow thinker, but he's a thinker. He's, things are happening and processing is happening. And if I had judged on our first few dates of like how quickly he came up with responses, I might have missed a good thing. So I actually, I loved this article to give us a window into how we naturally think. But you've probably heard some I don't want to say conflicting, but a counterpoint on the show before. And I just want to highlight there are two tools in in flirting that I teach people and in conversation techniques that I use that actually can build connection and be very illuminating and tell you whether or not you're really compatible. And if we're just looking for that feeling of clicking, like this is the chemistry thing that we talk about a lot, whether or not you can close that quarter of a second gap in a conversation does not actually relate to long-term compatibility. So I've actually encouraged you on the show before to take more time to allow more of the pauses and not be in such a rush to fill the pause because you might not get that butterfly like, oh my goodness, we're finishing each other's sentences on the first date feeling. But from my vantage point, I don't know how much that matters. I think we put too much emphasis on finding that feeling and not enough emphasis on seeing what happens if you allow the pause and you see what comes in. You see how that person responds to a really deep, thought-provoking question. And then it also takes the pressure off you to be witty and charming and quick with your answers. Don't you want to be more thoughtful with your answers? Don't you want to really be able to reveal how you think and how you look at the world and see if you have the hallmarks of long-term compatibility of shared values and shared goals? It's a totally different way of looking at this. The second tip that I give a lot of my clients in my program is to pay attention to that person's speaking pattern. One thing that happens when you're connecting with someone, when you're really actually connecting with someone, is you start to naturally mimic their body language, their intonation, their inflection, their pacing. And so one thing you can do if you want to give the symbol to someone, I'm really like, I get you and I'm really feeling that there's a vibe here, is actually not to just speed up the conversation. That's like the last thing I want you to do, is to actually look at the way that they're relating, and match that. Match their pacing. Slow it down if they're a slower thinker. Or 
match their body language? Do they lean in when they talk? Do they touch their own body? That's a symbol of attraction. And let's really get into the full body context of what people are saying on dates, not just how quick and witty. You've seen this in text as well. Like people can be very charming over text and then you get into the date and nerves come up and expectations come up and like you can't hear all that well over the music and the bar. And there's a lot of other factors when you move offline. And if we're still just looking for that witty repartee and that rapid delivery, we may be missing the whole boat. We may be missing all of that juicier, deeper level communication and connection that's actually waiting for you on the other side of that. If you're ready to find a person for you to click with, let me help you redesign your dating profile and get you on the road to new dates, new connections, new conversations with my free profile starter kit. It's available right now at datesandmates.com where you can also see some of the most popular episodes and read up on all the prior Dates and Mates episodes. Check it all out for free at datesandmates.com. When we come back, Gianna Biscontini will be with us to discuss how vulnerability can lead to some of those deeper emotional conversations and connections that we were just talking about. Stay with me. Welcome back. I am here with lifestyle design coach and board certified behavior analyst, Gianna Biscontini. She's the author of Fuckless, a guide to wild, unencumbered freedoms, which will be released on May 17th. Gianna has been featured in publications such as Forbes magazine, and she has a roster of A-list clients, including Christina Schwarzenegger and Simon Sinek. You know, the start with why guy. Her coaching model is constructed from Stanford's method of design thinking, research identity, gender narratives, and the science of human behavior. I am thrilled to be able to give big smooches to Gianna Biscontini. Hi there. So your book is called Fuckless. Let's just call let's call a spade a spade. We don't usually cuss on this show, but Oh, okay. <laughs> that ship has sailed. So the book is called Fuckless, a guide to wild unencumbered freedoms. And I often find that people struggle with that line between like what is giving a fuck and what is being fuckless. And especially when it comes to dating. I, I think a lot of my listeners can relate to this feeling of like, okay, I got to find someone. I really want a partnership. I'm all in. And then they are like, oh, but now I, I'm disappointed. I got my heart broken. I just don't, I just am not going to give a fuck. <laughs> like, what does that mean to you really when you say fucks? Like, what's that line between I care and I'm hurting myself? It's not whether you care, it's what you care about, right? Fucks are opinions, beliefs, expectations, fears, helpful advice from other people that doesn't belong to you, right? All of us carry some level of other people's bullshit, whether it's from our parents who love us very much, whether it's from a professor who was working out some anger through us, like the society, the entertainment industry whatever, right? We're given these messages and we take them on as if they are true for us. And then you hit your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and you go, oh shit, 
that's actually not true for me. And that's the thing I've been carrying around. That's the belief I've been buying into that has made me really unhappy because while it sounded good and it sounded true and everybody's behaving as though it's true, it's not true for me. Mm, that's so that's so poignant and just a perfect way to really help us place that because I think it can feel like, um, it can feel, especially for women, really overwhelming. Like, I'm supposed to care about this. I'm supposed to care about that. This is my responsibility. And I love how through your work, you really unpack a lot of those expectations. I talk a lot on the show about expectations, particularly for women. But I also recognize that we're in a place of choice that a lot of our foremothers did not have. And so I see this, I see a lot of what we get to do today as a privilege, but with that privilege comes the responsibility to choose. And I love how you're, you mentioned that it's like choosing what you care about. Absolutely. And I, I talk about this in the book as well. There were times in my life where I had to stay in a relationship that I was unhappy in because I couldn't afford to live on my own. Women who are financially independent the choice is dependent on their wants, not on their needs. Um, and that's what I do with my coaching clients. That's what I do in the book. I, I ask questions. Is this a good time for you to be in a relationship? What are the stories that you've been told as a woman about being in a relationship? What do you think being in a relationship and having a partner will do for you? What might it hold you back from, right? And so we're excavating and kind of teasing all this apart. And it's not saying you know, go off and be wild and free and don't date and men are the enemy. Like, absolutely not. I think that with some thoughtful inquiry, uh, we can tease apart, number one, the needs from the wants and the stories that are just fucks that aren't true for us and the things that we truly believe in. And, and we can go from there. And I love how in the book you talk about we silence ourselves because we're trying to ensure the happiness and comfort of those around us by avoiding confrontation and vulnerability and anger. And I think there's actually a place for all of those emotions in dating and relationships. But you're so right that like, we're so focused on like making the other person comfortable. We would rather be liked and be likable and I think this is not even conscious for so many of us. And I know it's something that I experienced. So it must be something that at least some of our listeners can relate to. But yeah, I was like, oh, I want to make him comfortable. So I'm not going to say this thing. Absolutely. One of the one of the fucks is be chosen, right? And I, I write about growing up and, and looking around and thinking, why do the boys get to do whatever they want? And they're raised with these conquistador attitudes where they can, they have all this like, first of all, unearned confidence that they go out into the world and they have the privilege of just having this, but they get to go be brave and, you know, make mistakes and sleep around and they get to do all this stuff. And women don't because men do the choosing and women are chosen. And I grew up thinking, but I want to go do what the boys are doing. I want to get dirty. I want to curse. I want to travel the world. I want to, you know, start my business. I want to be single and have no one look at me like I'm a unicorn or pathetic. And so we have to just really be mindful about these stories and understand that we have the power to change those, right? And I think it's very triggering. I triggered myself when I was writing about how often 
I orbit around a man. And even when I was single, I would think, oh, I hope the next person I'm with wants to live in Europe for a year. Or I hope the next person I'm with wants to do all these things. Number one, making the wild assumption that there would be someone in the future to begin with. And number two, I was already orbiting around someone in my future that didn't even exist. And I was really holding back a lot of things I wanted to do in my own life because I I wanted it to be symbiotic with whoever I was going to date in the future. And so we really are trained to be the air and water that sustains but does not disrupt those around us. We have the extra mental weight and we have to engage in the extra mental labor to consider everyone else before we think about what we're going to do, where, think, or say. And that very much shows up in dating. Mm. So true. And I'm also just thinking, just adding that layer as a woman of color, I'm like, oh, like times 10, because then we're also thinking, is, like, is this person judging me because of my skin color, because of my hair, because of my cultural background? Like, I had to get to a place of like, this is just me. And this is what a lot of what I talk about on the show is getting to this place of authenticity of like, these are unchangeable things about who I am. And realizing that for the right person, they will be drawn to that. And of course, the wrong person will be repelled. But I'm curious for you where that shift came in from from projecting to the future relationship to living in that present confident place. For me, um, I had a really rough couple years. You know, I got, I, I chose to leave my marriage and I do well single. So that was fine. But I was walking into 2020, like this is my year and I am not going to date anyone. I'm not, I'm going to be something other than someone's wife and girlfriend for a whole year. Turns out that was really easy because I didn't yeah. see anyone, but my rescue animals <laughs> for about a year. And I loved being single so much that I decided to carry that forward into the following year, into 2021. And I decided to carry it forward until, until question mark, right? And so I was able, you know, in science, we call it an AB design, right? A is one condition, B is another condition. So being in a relationship and then being single and then being in a relationship and being single. And as you kind of flow in and out of those trials, we can say those groups, you can look back and say, okay, what's different? And so I've been in two like several month relationships in the last couple of years. And it was enough to go, yep, and pull myself back out of it to say, I'm doing the same thing again, or I chose incorrectly, right? Dating is all about, you know, choosing and not choosing and getting to know each other. And sometimes you date for a couple of weeks and you say, no, I'm, I'm good. This isn't for me. And sometimes you just, you know, sunk cost fallacy. You just keep choosing because you're already invested so much time and energy, um, which mm -hmm. is a whole other thing I go over in the book. And so, what I think is important about my story, and I think the story of a lot of women, is that I just paid attention, right? I'm a scientist, and so I naturally see different conditions changing, and I can look back and say, Whew, every time I get out of a relationship, I feel weightlessness. And so I either have to choose differently or remain single until question mark. And I love that you're you're not racing to fill in what that question mark is. And like I saw on your website, life is not linear. It's filled with events that require us to restore, recalibrate, and head back out into the world with clarity. And, you know, I say something similar on the show that like this is our opportunity, the experiences that we go through to teach ourselves to evolve and grow. And 
like this is dumb that I am um, older than you are, Gianna, and just came to the conclusion there's no actual destination. Like my my career, my relationship, my kids, there is no destination to be reached because as soon as you get to that destination, something else changes or there's a new destination to reach or there's something else to be learned. And it was a little unsettling, <laughs> I must admit. You know, you were talking about uh, mindfulness. It's that Buddhist concept of non-attachment. How many times have you said, okay, here's the plan. And this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to control it. And I'm going to go through steps one through five. And then this will be the result. And that will be what, how it's going to be forever. And the universe, it like alerts something in the universe. And it comes in with a wrecking ball. Like, oh, that's precious that you're trying to plan when you're going to get married and when you're going to meet your person. And then kids, when you're two years into your marriage. I mean, no. What fun is that? I don't trust humans enough to plan their lives, to be honest. We don't really know <laughs> what we want or what's good for us, right? We have to just be in that place of mindfulness, live from within, and be open to the things that are around us. And most of the time, yes, it will violate your plan. Maybe you're going to be 45 and never married and single and totally happy. And maybe you're going to get married and meet your person at 22 years old but you really thought you're going to have a career first before you did all that, right? It's just checking in with yourself to say, who am I? What are my values? How am I serving myself? How am I building and designing this life? But there's always a healthy amount of, of non-attachment there, at least for, for happy people. Yeah. And there, those are the fucks. There they are again. Yep. They're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> How do you, I know you, you speak on this a lot, how do you help your clients calibrate and figure out where, what are the things that they should give? I'm going to keep leaning into this fuck thing. <laughs> what, are the, <laughs> what are the things that we should give a fuck about? And what are the things that are like a no or a no for now? So I work with women, first of all, to, to live from within, right? Because if I get them to a place where they say, I just wish I could wear this, do this, think this, eat this, say this. And I say, well, why can't you? Well, because, and they, it's always an external thing, right? Which is sometimes it's valid, right? Well, I don't have $3,000 to travel to Europe right now. Okay, great. Well, now we know the problem. It's a numbers game. But when we hesitate and when we stall and when we want something, but reel it back in, that's a moment that we have to go, oh, I'm living on someone else's terms. And one of the fucks is be everything, right? And so when women start to try and be everything to everyone, the first question is, why? Second question, where did that story come from? And the, the real work comes in actually behaving differently and dropping the fuck that you have to be liked, that everyone has to pat you on the back and reward you and, and validate you for everything that you do. When you say, you know what, I'm going to be single for a year and your parents are like, oh, I don't know, honey, because you're getting older. That's fuck signaling, right? You can go, oh, thanks, and then give it back, right? You're catching all of these beliefs and opinions from other people and learning to give it back with grace and to say, I can see why you want that for me, but that just doesn't work for me right now, right? And owning that yeah, and I just I want to speak up for the guys because we do have some guys who listen, right? Um, many of them, and I, I think this applies to them too. Like anyone who 
who was groomed in this sort of people-pleasing, you know, American Dream Factory, <laughs> where I really only see like this individuation and authenticity really starting to be honored now. Right? I feel like for so many generations, it's just like, no, just do what you're supposed to do. And for my younger listeners, like, again, you get the privilege of choice. You get to show up and say, no, that's not for me. And like, what a benefit that we have that ability to choose. And should you choose to be on a dating app, like I talk about dating apps a lot on the show, and I'm a big fan of dating apps, but I recognize that that comes with so many micro choices. And we have to, we have to reframe how we connect to the comments that we'll get or the I'm using rejection in air quotes for those who are not <laughs> cannot see my air quote fingers, but rejection. Like people will say to me, Gianna, I well, I tried the dating apps. They didn't work for me. I, you know, I only went out with somebody for three months and then it didn't work. No, no, it did work. It did work for that time and it worked until it didn't. Or I sent out a bunch of messages or nobody liked me or I didn't get these messages back. And it's it's all just per our perception of just coming back to what is success? Like, how do you define the goal? Right. Are you on dating apps to be validated and getting, you know, get a ton of likes and messages? And, you know, are you looking for validation or are you looking for a partner? We have two needs as people. We have the need to show up in the world as our truest, most authentic self. And we need to do that in a world or a friend group or a family or a society that accepts it and loves it because of who we are. And so, you know, when you're working with people who are talking about the dating apps of, well, I got rejected or this person said I wasn't attractive or I was in a relationship, yay, but then it didn't work out. You're totally right. It's not rejection. You're, you're curating a group of people. You're curating friends. You're curating who you're dating and you're teaching yourself what's important to you and what you'll accept. And that takes, unfortunately, a really long time. Yeah. We just take it one day at a time, one choice at a time, one moment at a time. And with your book, you can guide us to a freer, more authentic way of living. So everybody, check out Fuckless, A Guide to Wild, Unencumbered Freedom. Hopefully you felt the freedom that I felt in uh, even saying the word on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and I hope everyone enjoyed hearing your wisdom. I, I certainly did. And I appreciate you being here, Gianna. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Make sure you follow Gianna on Instagram at Gianna Biscontini and look out for her book, you can get your copy on May 17th. But if you visit her website at giannabiscontini.com, you can sign up there to be notified when you can get your copy as soon as it's available. And you can also find out more about Gianna's amazing coaching. We will put the link to giannabiscontini.com in the show notes. In a moment, I will be back to answer the following listener question. My new match is asking me about intimacy, but we haven't even met yet. What does it mean? I'll tell you in just a sec. You know I've always got you covered with your dating dilemmas, so let's get into the question of the week. Dear Demona, Demona, help. 
help me. This question was emailed to me from a listener named Ginny. Ginny says, what do you think of a guy who tells me before a phone conversation or date that if I'm someone who waits three to six days before a sleepover, we're not a match? I think he was hiding something, which became obvious after a while. He claimed he wanted to take things slow and that he wanted a long-term relationship like I did but then pressured me to answer how many dates till we sleep together. I told him, you're putting the cart before the horse, and we haven't even met yet. Besides, taking things slow means not discussing this in the first conversation. He was evasive about other things, like he told me he worked for a large, well-known company, which shall remain nameless. I felt he was very opinionated, almost belligerent. When I told him I was open-minded, he asked what that meant. Well, I guess you're not, then. I think he was using a burner phone, too questionable. (laughs) Very questionable, Ginny. I would say there are a lot of questionable things here. But what's more questionable for me, Ginny, is remind me, wait, why were you interested in talking to this guy again? You felt like your gut was telling you he was not being open and upfront. I don't know who is so afraid to say where they work that it has to remain nameless. I mean, he better be a CIA agent. He better be. Because otherwise, and by the way, I actually do know a couple CIA agents, and um, they'll just make something else up and say they do something else, or they'll just tell you they work for the CIA and they can't talk about their work, but they'll tell you where they work. So I don't even know in the context of a guy's job on a date is to make sure that the woman is comfortable and feel safe and secure, he's sure not working too hard to do that for you if he can't even tell you where he works. Uh, But Ginny, like you said he was opinionated, almost belligerent. What is making you want to even invest in this relationship for the length of the conversation that we've been having right now? I just want you to ask that question because I see that this happens a lot of the time. We get caught up on certain details that we think, oh, they're really attractive or they were really responsive or they wrote back to my email or like he looks great in a suit or whatever the story is that you've told yourself. And then we ignore all of this other stuff or we're groomed to not take that to mean what we think it means or to not trust our intuition. So you're always going to hear from me to lead with your intuition. If you feel like his behavior is sketchy for any other reason, that's it. You don't need an excuse. You don't need justification. You don't need to gather evidence. That is the end of the conversation. If you don't trust someone, that conversation is literally over from that point on. So even this conversation about when are you going to want to have a sleepover? Yeah. First of all, gross gross for a first conversation that this guy can't even give you the decency of allowing you to get comfortable in knowing who he is before he starts asking, when are you going to put out? Forget this guy. I I can say on this episode because it's explicit. Fuck this guy. (laughs) If you are beginning a new relationship and that person doesn't put your comfort level first, forget it. It's dead in the water. I will say, Ginny, it's possible this could be a bit of a catfish situation because a lot of the details you told me of like being sort of cagey about saying who he is and asking all of these really intimate questions early on, 
mm, and telling you he wants a long-term relationship, but putting the cart before the horse as you say it, these could be signs that somebody is not who they say they are. They're also, this is something I talked about a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Tinder swindler, like trying to also gauge like how trusting are you going to be with this stranger? So go with your gut, girl. And let's let's just let's just not even put any more emotional energy into that one and focus on, okay, thank you. Next, because the minute you say questionable, my question for you is always going to be, why stay? Why continue the conversation? Why even give that person the honor, the honor, Ginny, of your time, your energy, and your focus? He hasn't earned it. I hope you enjoyed episode 410 of Dates and Mates. And if you love this show, why not spread the love? Why keep it to yourself? We can't be closed and selfish. We have to be open and vulnerable and share when you know something, when you know that this show helps heal hearts and helps people reframe the way they're looking at dating and relationships. It's almost kind of like, you have to share it. So why not tell a friend to listen to Dates and Mates and please make sure that you are subscribed to the show. What I love doing the most, you know, I, I give advice on the Drew Barrymore show and on NBC's Access Daily and I write articles in the Washington Post, but I will tell you what I love doing the absolute most is answering your questions. So please don't be shy. I'm here to help you. Send me your question. You can DM it to me at Damona Hoffman on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can call me, text me, 424-246-6255. I would love to answer your question on a future episode of the show. We'll be back again next Tuesday with another hot and spicy episode of Dates and Mates. Until then, I wish you happy dating. <laughs>